Hello and welcome to Eat, Race, Shower, Repeat. I'm Laura Winter, sports broadcaster, podcaster and cycling presenter. And I am Paul Foss, former professional cyclist for Bora Hansgrohe. This podcast will take you behind the scenes of one of the most successful World Tour cycling teams of them all, Bora Hansgrohe. We follow them as they take on the most emotionally and physically challenging bike races of them all, the Tour de France. Yes, we are working with team title sponsor Hansgrohe, one of the world's largest and most respected bathroom suppliers and manufacturers, featuring beautifully designed taps and showers of the highest quality, benefiting from the finest in German engineering. For four years now, Hansgrohe has been at the team side as a reliable partner and together we will bring you exclusive insight from the team. The riders, the mechanics, the sports directors, the coaches and more for a unique look at the most beautiful sport in the world. So this year's Tour de France is the most mountainous in history and in this episode we are going to look at the epic climbs that decide this race. There are 29 categorised climbs, eight mountain stages, four summit finishes and one mountain time trial on the penultimate stage in the 2020 edition of the race. Bora Hansgrohe's team leader Emmanuel Buchmann will be looking to contest the climbs at the front of this great race alongside the team's domestiques, or helpers, who will ensure he is in the best shape possible, conserving as much energy as he can before the finale of each mountainous stage. We will hear from Emmanuel and teammate Maximilian Schachmann about the overcoming injuries and their thoughts and tactics for the climbs in this route. We'll also hear from sports director Enrico Poitschka on the strategy, the tactics in the mountains and how they've changed given the injuries sustained by the team before this year's tour. Then Loren will talk about keeping the riders focused if they have suffered crashes or if they have having a bad day. And Peter Sagan will talk about what it's like to be a sprinter in the most mountainous tour, how he manages the climbs, as well as having an in-depth look at some of the mountains on this year's route. First up, let's hear from Enrico for an inside look at the Bora Hansgrohe strategy. When all guys don't crash and feel very good, then uh, we can ride much more offensive now. We have to wait and to see and talk every day how the guys are feeling and that have a big impact on the strategy. But hopefully day by day the guys are back to 100% and then we can ride offensive and play different cards with our climbers. I mean, uh, it is also possible that we try something on the flat stage when it's windy. It's really up also to the weather conditions and the feeling of the guys in the morning from the stage. We have very hard stages, stage 15, stage 17. That's in my eyes the key stages and also the time trial then stage 20. That's the important stages. And here are Max's thoughts as well on this year's climbs. I personally didn't get the chance to do a recon to see the climbs. So I just saw the profiles and um, you know, all the data, the average percentages of these climbs. And I think it's a, it's a quite special tour because it's pretty tough from the first day on. But on the other hand, you miss these extreme mountain stages. You have a few of them. But not so many in a row, like three, four really high mountains in a row, maybe three days in a row. It's more like almost every climb has some difficulties. Um, a few mountains, a few hills, pretty tough hills. And it's, it's hard to say where, where the key moments are going to be. Maybe on the, on the new 
climb up to Miribel. One, I think it's pretty. It's a pretty tough one. Okay, so there we go, Paul. Obviously, strategy had to change before the race to ease that pressure on Emmanuel, given his injuries and the crash sustained at the Dauphiné. Um, I'm going to talk to you first of all about your own personal experiences of climbing, of suffering, your best and worst days in the mountains. First up, what was your best day ever in the mountains, do you think? Boah, my best day ever. Um, I guess it was like 2016, uh, my last tour. I can't remember the exact stage, but I know that uh, Steve Cummings won that stage and I was in a breakaway with him. And the group of the favorites just caught me on like the last climb of the day before we descending to the finish. And I guess I had my yeah, my best ever legs on the climb on that day. But yeah, I can't remember the, <laughs> the exact stage it was. And my worst day on the bike in the mountains was probably at the World Espana in 2013 where we had the start in Andorra and we climbed up towards the highest point of the race, so like 2,400 meters. And it started to rain and uh, snow. And just on top, we had like, I think, minus two degrees. And we had to do a loop on the top and then coming down the same way we went up. And it was so bloody cold that I had to stop halfway down to like get changed, to put on gloves. And I wasn't even able to eat myself. So like the sports director had to cut the food and uh, basically feeding me uh, through the window uh, yeah it was a ridiculous day and uh, probably the hardest day for me uh, in the mountains that sounds absolutely revolting <laughs> that sounds so awful um i am by no means a racer but i do ride a bike and i've climbed mont ventoux a few times and and had good and bad a sense of it uh, and other other climbs in spain as well so i know what it's like when you're having just one of the worst days or the worst legs ever on a bike, on a climb, it's kind of a really suffocating, claustrophobic place to be in, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And especially in long climbs, like you mentioned Mormon too, you're starting like on low altitude and you're feeling good. And then you, you're climbing, uh, I don't know, like halfway up and then suddenly you're like quite high altitude and your your body is changing, how you're feeling. And like 20 minutes ago, you you felt like you're flying up there and then suddenly you actually you're fighting to stay uh, on the bike. So yeah. It's it's oh it can be pretty tough yeah yeah I mean I think on Mont Ventoux when I did it recently I got kind of like pins and needles in my hands in my head I was kind of going black at one point I thought oh my god I've not got enough oxygen here at all and I'm not even racing I'm just surviving um, when you are injured or you've crashed or you're having a bad day and you're you know you're the leader and you're losing time how much pressure is there on you as a rider. It really depends on like how the team is handling the situation. As I know, I think the team is handling it really well, and they will take off the pressure, you know, of the leader. But it always depends like which position you are when you're crashing. So like in the GC, or in which stage you are, you know, like when you're in the last week and you know you're close to be on the podium or you're close to win the tour, then the pressure is much higher than maybe the first week where you have a small crash and you still have time to recover. So it really depends on like which point in the race and also which position you are in the GC. Yeah, absolutely. Well, two riders who did crash before the Tour de France are very much trying to make their mark on these steep climbs of this race. Let's hear from Maximilian and Emmanuel on how they are approaching the mountains with their injuries in mind. Here's Max. To be honest, next day after the crash, I couldn't imagine to be here right now. But uh, everything developed very well. I was pretty lucky that the bone was or is still in position and my pain level got lower and lower every day and I can handle the pain very well. So I'm ready. So 
in the end, I can't change the situation. I, I still had a good training. It always costs uh, some energy for the body to, to heal up, but I will give my best and I will not think about things in the past, what has happened. I will I'll look always to the future. So that was earlier in the tour. Sadly, after the first mountainous tests in the Pyrenees, Emmanuel lost 5 minutes 45 and fell out of contention for a podium. So we spoke to him on the first rest day to see what this means for his strategy moving forwards with the last week in mind. Yeah, I still feel not at 100%. In the Pyrenees it was not really good and yesterday I was all day on the limit and yeah, I lost a lot of time and I think it makes no more sense to go for the GC with this shape I have in the moment. Yeah, today in the rest day I hope to recover a little bit and also on the next stages and then when it's better we will try to go for stages. Yeah, it's not, not a nice feeling but it was already before the, before the tour the possibility that it didn't work after the crash. As I mentioned before, it's really important how the team is coping with the situation, you know, how the sports director, the, the coaches, the team manager, the sponsors, you know, how everyone around them is acting. And yeah, they try to keep it calm and they had a plan beforehand and they had to change it a bit, but they still believe, you know, in their goals. Usually you, you can't reach your goals when, you, when you're getting too hectic and getting over-motivated. So yeah, they try to keep it calm. Yeah, it's, it's good you mentioned the team there. Um, in the first week, we saw a number of crashes in pretty horrific weather, mainly on the first stage of this year's tour. Um, Leonard Kamner and Lucas Postelberger both crashing. Motivation and focus, as you said there, is key. So let's hear from Dan Lorang, who tells us how he keeps the riders focused when they're having a bad day or suffering from a crash. An important thing is not to look behind, so not to think too much about what happened in the race, uh, not to think too much about the crashes, but to think forward, to think about the big opportunities that are in, in front of you, next stages, and as long as the athlete is capable of a good performance, just to show him that the race is not over, but that there are still some big goals to, uh, to achieve. And uh, the cyclists, they are used to crash sometimes. It's really important then just to stand up and to continue and not to be there and to think about why did I crash and what was it? was it my mistake, the other mistake. I think that it's really important not to spend too much time on the crash, but really to think forward and looking for new goals and continue. Yeah, clearly focus key for such a mountainous race and, and one lapse could cost valuable seconds. Paul, let's talk now about the key stages of the Tour de France left in the mountains. Enrico mentioned a few key stages earlier. So we're looking at stage 13, which consists of six categorised climbs and a summit finish at Pas de Préol Puy-Marie. With over 4,000 metres of climbing, this is seen by many as the toughest stage of the Tour. The summit climb itself is just 5.4 kilometres long at an average of 8%, but the final 2K sees gradients of 11 to 12%. The penultimate climb, the Col de Narone, is just 3.8K long, but averages over 9% and could be a springboard for an attack. Paul, this is a really crucial day, isn't it? Uh, definitely is, yeah. Especially the combination of like a lot of climbing plus, you know, it's a short climb at the end. But it's a steep one. So, I mean, 8% is it's not that easy. And the last 2K is 11 to 12. So, you definitely have to be a pure climber, you know, to be able to be up there in the front. And, I mean, the penultimate climb, it's like the short climbs and then over 9%. It's, um, as you said, a perfect springboard to, like, have an early attack and 
Shake up the GC. It's interesting. Um, we heard from Max earlier about the route that it's it's quite erratic this year, and we aren't seeing the typical big Alpine or Pyrenean mountains we're so used to seeing. We're seeing kind of shorter climbs uh, that have perhaps steeper gradients. What did you make of the route when you look at it as a whole? Um, I find it quite interesting. You know, it's not the usual layout as you had like in recent years where you have like usually the first week, you know, you have uh, a lot of sprint stages, maybe one or two uh, little hilltop finishes, you know, more for like punches. And then you have like in yeah, the second week, you have like one or two big mountain stages, but then usually the last week is the decising week. But now it's uh, totally different, you know, like you have here and there hard stages like we had now in the first week. And then in the third week, you know, you, or no, sorry, in the second week, you think you might can relax, but you can't really. And then the the last week is just mental, and it's 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 a quite interesting uh, layout. And I'm really interested how it's gonna pan out. You know, like how how riders coping with it, especially during the coronavirus. You know, because people could train differently, and everyone had like a different build up to this race because some did Dauphiné, some couldn't do it, or some crashed out. So. Maybe in the end, it's quite good to not have so many race days in the legs because you're still fresh at the end. But you you can't predict that now. You know, it's just too early to say that, really. Yeah, and certainly you could see riders actually racing into the tour itself, kind of getting better and fitter as it goes on. Uh, we've only had 28 days of racing build-out. We're used to seeing six months. So it is incredibly different this year, and the route itself lends it, it to epic racing and 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 crazy racing and unpredictable racing and then you add coronavirus to it and it's just bonkers i I agree with you the last week is going to be mayhem so stage 15 then which is the sunday before the rest day that sees a summit finish up grand colombier now this race has a number of firsts and this is one of them it's the first time the race has ever finished at the top of this epic mountain it's 17.4 kilometers long at a seven percent average and just before the rest day like i just said the gc contenders including we hope of course emmanuel bookman are going to let it rip aren't they uh definitely um i have done the climb but just the descent <laughs> and what i saw there it's a really tough climb and you know also the road surface is not that smooth so like adding to like the gradients and the, the length of the climb is also not rolling that well but the good side is it's mostly in the shadow or in the shade you know because it's like covered of trees and yeah it's um gonna be like a really tough day as you, as you mentioned it's the day before the rest day and so there's no reason to hold back and um, it's one of the most important climbs at this year's too i think yeah, absolutely. And then that leads us in to the final week. And this stage, uh, I've been reading about it in preparation for talking to you here in the podcast. This looks like the most bonkers stage to me. And I think it's kind of the most decisive and significant climb of them all. So it's stage 17. We have a climb up La Madeleine on its steepest side. Have you done La Madeleine before? I think I have done it in like Dauphiné or something, but I can't remember to 100%. They all blur into one, don't they? <laughs> so in stage 17 as well, we see a brand new climb, not just to the Tour, but to the high mountains of France too. It's a newly paved road from the ski resort of Meribel, and it's called Col de la Loz. It's 21.5 kilometres long at an average of 7.8%, but don't let that fool you. The first 13 kilometres or so are relatively straightforward before a very, very difficult final 7 to 8 kilometre where gradient
Indians are ever changing and climbs up over to 20%. The director of the Tour de France himself, Christian Prudhomme, has said, I can promise you it will be like hell. Uh, before I get Paul's thoughts on this, let's hear what Emmanuel, who has wrecked this climb, thinks. Yeah, I think this year the route of the tour is really, really difficult. There are a lot of mountain stages already in the first week or the first days. So it's a bit different to the last years. There's no time to get in the race and yeah, just do some stages and then the mountains come. So you have to be directly in a good form. Yeah, after the crash, I'm not sure in what condition I'm now. I was getting better and better by day last days and everybody it's hard to tell. And here is how Enrico sees it playing out. Yeah, we uh, recon that climb and the guys reported uh, it's a very, very hard climb in some parts, very, very steep. And I think one from the important climbs in that Tour de France. And hopefully our guys on that day is on a good shape and then uh, we have to ride so aggressive uh, it's possible. Paul, it sounds absolutely terrifying to me. How intimidating for the riders is this going to be? It's a brand new climb, one where altitude will play a huge role. It's one of the highest ever summit finishes and it's got crazy ever-changing gradients. So you can't get into that nice rhythm that we're so used to seeing on on smoother, steadier alpine climbs. Every GC contender or like every uh, team who has like the plan to perform the GC has recon the climb, I guess, so, so they know what's coming up. And usually all the big riders have ridden it as well. And these days it's normal to do like high altitude camps. So I think everyone is able to cope with the altitude. But then it's also, you know, like, again, the length of it, which is quite long. And it's like also, you know, just two days after the rest day. So maybe the leg's getting worse then. So that can have an impact. And also, you know, like just having like 20% at the end of such a long climb, it's quite ridiculous. And yeah, I can't remember like having such a climb in the tour. I know in the Giro, you know, and also in the World Espana, you're always doing such steep climbs or like crazy climbs. But at the tour, it doesn't happen that often. And I'm really looking forward to see what's going on there. Yeah, I think it's going to be a crazy, crazy climb. And I've seen on social media as well, people saying if the tour is stopped midway through because of coronavirus, do we have a true champion if they haven't done Col de la Loz? That's kind of how significant this climb is is seeming. Um, what's the effect of riding gradients that are constantly changing when you're kind of used to doing 8 to 11% and it's very steady, but when suddenly it's hiking up, it's flattening down, what's the uh, effect on the body? and on the rhythm that the riders are trying to hit? Mm, it's really depending on like what type of rider you are. I mean, for example, Emmanuel Buchmann is more a kind of rider who likes like steady gradients. So he doesn't like too much change in the gradients. But then some riders, you know, they cope better with like having different rhythm. Like sometimes they can relax a bit and sometimes they have to push harder. So it really depends like what kind of rider you are. But also like a difficult decision will be like which gear they're going to choose, you know. Having over 20% means you can't use your usual gear, but you beforehand having like 7 to 8%, you actually need the normal gearing. So it will be difficult to choose the right gearing, you know, like for this climb, because over 20%, you obviously need something special. You can't just ride with like your, your standard gears up there. And you need that kind of micro effort, don't you? Just to get through that 20% section and then settle back in and then go again. So it's, it's going to take its toll, isn't it? Especially, as you said, coming in the last seven k of this climb of of when you've already been climbing 21k and you've got 
17 stages of the Tour de France in your legs. Yeah, and also the altitude. I mean, even if you have done like, uh, I don't know, like a whole year in altitude, but if you're doing these changes, you know, in like high altitude, you're not recovering anymore. So as soon as you're building lactate acid, it just stays where it is, you know, so you, you're not transporting it away out of the legs. So you really have to time your effort. And I think what we will see as well is that maybe some guys going too early, you know, and too hard, and they're just exploding and like almost standing still. And some guys who are a bit more conservative, maybe passing them, you know, like you will see a lot of different scenarios there. And as we said as well, we just don't know what kind of form the riders are going to be in come the last week. And I think for each rider, it's going to be different. Some may have hit their peak early in the first week because of a limited racing buildup. And, and some may actually find their fitness in that final week. Some may crack. I'm nervous just thinking about it. I'm not even riding it. Yeah, as I mentioned before, it's uh, at the moment, you can't really say how it's panning out. And I mean, we have seen now the first week and, uh, you, you know, you get an idea how fit everyone is. But even now, uh, I wouldn't say, uh, okay, that guy is definitely going for the win and that guy has no chance because just that day can change so much. And then we have coming up a mountain time trial, you know, and so many more days in the mountains. It's just a ridiculous last week and uh, everything can happen. Oh, I can't wait for it. I am going to watch it from the comfort of my own sofa. <laughs> And not on a bike climbing at altitude. Um, as Paul just mentioned, stage 18 then, that's the last Alpine stage. It features a whore category that's uncategorized, basically means it's just too bloody hard. It's gravel topped as well. It's the Monte de Plateau des Glières that comes 30 kilometers from the finish. So a chance to catch back up if needs be, uh, but certainly you could lose valuable time on this climb. The final 1.8 kilometers is on gravel. The climb is six kilometers long with a leg sapping average gradient of 11%. Gravel on gradients of 11%. Uh, talk to me about the technical difficulties here on top of what is already a challenging environment. It really depends on what kind of gravel it is, but it's better when you're a type of rider who likes to ride seated, you know. But when you're a rider who likes to attack all of a saddle, it's quite difficult because it's possible that your back wheel is slipping. And, and also when it's raining, the chance of like a puncture is getting higher. So it really depends on like how the weather is going to be and how they how like a cope with the gravel but i think if it's dry and everything is going normal it won't be that decisive because it's just a really short bit and everyone will prepare really well for it so i guess there will be stuff on the side with wheels and i don't think it will be that epic as you might think but it's a nice addition you know to the race but i don't think it will be that decisive i think when aso planned this route they were looking at the usual june july tour de france we're now seeing august september tour de france already we've seen the weather playing its part and playing a role in in this year's tour so you never know with a, such a mountainous high route we could see some pretty nasty weather couldn't we oh definitely yeah i mean it's a totally different situation and even in the summer sometimes you have days which are just horrific and you you're suddenly riding in like 10 degrees and like heavy rain and uh, now in september the chance is much higher and when it's raining then it can be decisive because the bike gonna be dirty from the gravel and uh, if the gravel gets a bit too much you know it can stuck like in the frame and maybe between the frame and the tire so you get easier puncture so it really depends on the weather a lot how decisive this will be 
Stage 20 then is the penultimate stage. We'll discuss preparing for the final few days of the tour in our next podcast episode. But this is also a climb. It's a mountain time trial, the one and only TT of the race. But it could be the decisive day of the tour. It's 36.2 kilometres long with the prospect of the final 5.9 kilometres of that distance up La Planche des Belles at an average gradient of 8.5%. What do you make of the decision to put in a mountain time trial in the penultimate stage. I like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we all love it. <laughs> We're sitting on our sofas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think it's a great idea to change it up a bit and put in like a mountain time trial. I mean, you have like 30 Ks, like kind of flat and then the last uh, six Ks going up a climb. So there's also what equipment you're going to use, you know, um, as we heard in the earlier episodes that the team is planning on using the time trial bike even on the climb because the the weight difference is not that big and the time loss on changing a bike might be bigger. So I think we, we will see there are also different setups and different teams. But I like it. It's not the usual like 30k or 40k flat time trial because here like it's also the last day or no, the penultimate day. So you will see different riders up there from even the stage when I think. And it's interesting... If it's a flat time trial, you kind of can predict how it's working out. You know, like this rider will lose that much time. But with like having six Ks of climbing at the end, a rider who might have trouble like in the flat bit can perform really well on the climb and uh, get some time back or even gain time on like other favorite guys. Yeah, absolutely. Oh God, I can't wait for that final week. Um, Climbing isn't for everyone. It certainly isn't for me. Um, Often you will see the gruppetto, a group of riders at the back of the race who simply have to get over the mountain, surviving rather than racing at the front for time. This is normally the sprinters and their lead out men. Here is how Peter Sagan views this year's route. Uh, depends if you feel okay that you can manage to pass them, but you have a bad day that is uh, pretty hard, especially the second and third week. And uh, always depends, you know, climb is hard how uh, the riders are going. But yeah, every year seems like they are going harder and harder and faster in the climb. Then uh, you'll see, you know, I don't know what to expect now, but if everything's going well, it should be okay. But nobody knows what's going to happen by then. You know, it's much more climbs uh, during the all the Tour of France. That I don't know how to explain. For sure, it's going to be some stages very hard, but uh, for sure some stages we can also recover a little bit. Then, I don't know, I never had experience like this during the Grand Tour. The lot of uh, altitude we're going to do this year, but it's going to be for everyone. That's what I want to say. It's not only for some riders. It's going to be for everyone. Then more you spend one day, you're going to pay much more next day. So, Paul, obviously Peter Sagan is going to very much sit in that gruppetto through this final week, isn't he? But he is going to go for some breakaways as well, obviously, for points, because he's still after that green jersey. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, his tactic is like to get points in the sprint and also in the breakaways. And yeah, I mean, gruppettos are always funny groups. Uh, <laughs> Because especially in the last week or so, you have sometimes even climbers in there and they really struggle with like how the sprinters handling the Cruppetto, you know, because they have a they have a plan, they know how much time they can lose and how fast they have to go up and how fast they have to go in the descent. And all the times I've been like in the real sprinter Cruppetto, it was always like epic times because like uphill, you know, it felt quite easy. And then in the descents, oh, I was so on my limit because the sprinters they just go like five k's faster than than I go through a corner, and it's just so dangerous because they know 
they have to make the time in the descent because they can't obviously they can't climb as fast as the fastest climbers so uh, it, it's it's quite interesting um to be in a croppetto and sometimes i will wish we had like a camera there because it's quite interesting yeah yeah i was just about to say we so often don't see that on tv because all of our attention is trained on the front of the race and on how the gc contenders are riding the climb but actually i want to see the descent and how the sprinters go down the mountains because that's as tough like you said you're on your limit actually going down trying just to stay upright and and to not lose any more time yeah that's right and also the sports directors you know sitting in the car calculating the time and you always have to look at the front to see like how fast they're actually going um i mean the top guys and then to calculate again to see if it's working out or not and if you if you see that you actually behind that you're close to be out of the time limit you have to go fast and so on so yeah it can be quite tough and if i had already like a few bad days at the tour in the croppetto and um oh, i suffered a lot you know when, when you're on the climb and even the non-climbers like the sprinters dropping you then you really know you have a bad day oh my goodness i can only imagine um the croppetto is not an easy ride up a mountain is it it sounds much more stressful than that hopefully we have whetted your appetite for what is set to be an explosive final week at this year's tour de france that is it for this episode as the tour prepares to hit the highest roads in the mountainous race in history the battle for the yellow jersey is well and truly on. Big thank you to Peter Sagan, Emmanuel Buchmann and Max Schackman for sharing their thoughts. And to Enrico Pojka and Don Lorang for their insights. And a big thank you to you for listening as well. Please continue to follow the team at the Tour de France on social media at Bora Hansgrohe on Twitter and keep up to date on the Hansgrohe channels as well at Hansgrohe. And you can find me online too at PaulFoss86. And I'm on at Laura C. Winter. If you've got a question, please get in touch and send them in. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of Eat, Race, Shower, Repeat and leave a review as well if you like what you're hearing next episode we will be looking at the final days of the Tour de France and how the riders of Bora Hansgrohe preparing for them to fight for the jerseys plus we will explore how they are preparing for that final sprint stage up the Champs-Élysées and discussing the euphoria and inevitable disappointment of that finish line we'll see you then enjoy the racing and bye for now <laughs>